Welcome to Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. This podcast will offer weekly episodes equipping passive and active investors alike with the tools, knowledge, and confidence to build wealth through one of the most powerful wealth creation vehicles out there, apartments. Let's get into today's episode. Days in today's episode. Whoa, 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 we, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, in today's episode, you will all learn the concept of financial freedom and the pathway to get there through real estate investing. Oh. But really, Ben and I are just going to kick around some ideas, some topics, and share what we've seen kind of learned along the way. So what's the topic of today's presentation, Ben? What's the the phases of financial freedom in real estate, right? So, like we said, what is financial freedom, though? But before we do that, we do this every Monday, 3.30 Central. We kick off the meeting, basically presenting a bunch of different topics. Like we said, today's about financial freedom. Then we'll make fun of Ben's lack of hair and you know potential opportunities to grow that hair back. Uh, but then I we'll shift that. it to Q&A and do an open Q&A. So if you have topics, ideas, questions, it doesn't have to be about today's topic, feel free to introduce those. So Monday, Mondays, 3.30 Central. With that said, Ben, what is financial freedom? I think it's a, it's a position that somebody finds themselves in where they don't have to work unless they want to, right? I think you know a lot of people, that's the allure of investing, right? And it doesn't even have to be real estate investing, maybe just investing in general, right? To get away from that W-2 income or dependence on that income and be able to essentially do whatever you want, right? You know, be able to travel the world, spend more time with your friends and family, you know, start a charity, whatever it might be, right? It's important. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're all working towards this goal. And sometimes people's goals might be to just maybe work less. They still want to always work. Like yeah. I think me and you are probably never going to stop working. Yeah, I'd like to tell people I love, I love building businesses. It's fun, yeah. you know, working with people for better or for worse. Sometimes you might want to kind of lose your cool, but other times it's it's rewarding and exciting to kind of see that right and build yeah. a place that people love being part of. So. No, we love we love building stuff, right? You know, whether that be in real estate and actually building buildings, or you know, hypothetically, and you know, and and building systems and stuff that's going to ultimately make a business more productive or effective, right? You know, so all that kind of leads to obviously income, right? And I think people always need to overestimate how much money they might need in order to retire and completely, right? A lot of people are rushing out of their W-2s, especially, you know, after a boot camp, they're like, oh, I can do this. And they're really not taking into consideration something like COVID, right? You know, a lot, we, we actually know some people that, that retired Q1 of 2020 and then what ended up happening? COVID hits, Yep. right? So for, for a whole year, you're really not doing a whole lot of deal flow. Right, so that 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 income that they were expecting never really ended up materializing, and then you know they ultimately kind of got stuck a little bit. So you really need to make sure that whatever you think that you have set aside to be able to to ultimately walk away, you've got probably 1.5 that, maybe even 2x that. Right, you know that's something important. So, but before we get started, let's briefly briefly discuss so many uh, choose real estate as their investment vehicle to achieve financial freedom, but why? Right, you know, let's talk about why and is this one of the reasons why you can step away. And the from first the why we should actually before we talk about the why we should talk about the why nots. Yeah. If you think it's a get rich quick scheme, that's a why not, that's right? Because I think a that's lot true. of people hop in, they think you know you're going to do whether whatever it is. If you're on the residential side, I'm going to go buy 20 houses in the next year and retire, and it's just going to be a walk in the park. No, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. And for those in multifamily, they think I'll do two deals and retire, right? It's there's a lot of work involved, especially if you are syndicating equity, right? 
it's other people's money, right? Their money. You know, you need to really care about it. And mm -hmm. it's 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 not a get rich quick scheme. Now you do build wealth over time. There's a lot of energy and effort that goes into it, but it's not a get rich quick scheme. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, I think, you know, the rat race to retirement or five years and you're retired and all that stuff, right? That doesn't, that's, that's, that's good in theory, but it doesn't always happen for everybody. And once again, it goes back to how much money do you need to be, you know, um, free, to do whatever you want, live your life however you want for the next however many years you're going to live, right? And I think each person's in a different phase of their life. Each person might have, you know, different obligations, right? You know, somebody might have a more expensive house or maybe has more kids or whatever it might be, right? So one of the reasons, one of the vehicles that we like is real estate, right? And I think uh, some of the reasons why we do like it is cash flow, appreciation, the stability of, you know, real estate. I mean, it's always, you know, uh, somebody was talking to me one time and it was a really successful investor and he ultimately started grilling me on the cost of the land, right? As, yeah. And, and, and I, I, was, I, was, I finally just asked, I said, why are you focusing so much on that? He's like, because at the end of the day, if that thing burns to the ground, you still got the land, right? And that's not going to go away. They're not making any more land. So there's some stability there on top of, you know, what we love about it is you can go out and actually kick the dang thing. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's a real thing versus some yeah. mythical stock or mythical cryptocurrency, right? You know, even though we both own some of those too, right? Yeah. And then usually, you know, if you're smart, you get cash flow, yeah. right? And this is where you can do things, you know, there's, there's a difference between good debt and bad debt, right? Yep. Bad debt is, hey, buying a car that you can barely afford and just getting it all financed so you get monthly payments, right? Mm -hmm. That's the reality of it. But good debt is using it to basically bring cheaper money in to replace more expensive money, which is yours or your investors, right? And getting that cash flow, yep. right? And so I ultimately like to tell people, you know, and even if, you, even if you're buying the nicest deal on the corner of the street, that deal can cash flow. Now, you may not go in 100% leveraged or 80% leveraged. You're probably going in 50% leveraged, yeah. right? But you can all, depending on kind of what your investment criteria is, right? If you're investing for the long term, the short term, the, you know, you can play. What I love about real estate is you can play with the structure. Structuring is what it's all about in real estate. It's all about buying the deal right and then structuring it right. Those yeah. are probably the two biggest things that you can do and you can get that cash flow. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So. so to kind of finish out, just kind of the, we're going broad here and then we'll get a little bit more specific, right? So the stability, right? Like we talked about cash flow, appreciation, the tax advantages. We talk about that all the time. You know, that's one of the, I would say, unspoken benefits. I mean, some people will kind of talk about it a little bit, but I'd say if you if you structure your commercial real estate And I, I want to talk about investment. the tax one a little bit, right? So people always ask, hey, you're just deferring your gains, right? Because, you know, with, with, with real estate, you're getting losses yep. that you then roll over, and at some point, Uncle Sam catches up. But I think one thing people usually forget is that whenever you retire or you get rid of your W-2, whatever it is for you, right, guess what? Your income is actually very low, so you're in a much lower tax bracket. Yep. Would you rather pay taxes on a lower tax bracket or a high tax bracket where if you're in kind of your prime work, you know, working age, you're getting nuked. And so yep. taxes are huge, and again, uh, what we've seen is our most our most wealthy investors are the ones that care about it the most. That's right. right. It's a very powerful thing if you understand how to work it and use it. So no, no. I mean, we have people literally just reach out to us about, hey, I got a gain on this. And, yeah, we had it last week. I had actually two different guys do it last week. So, I mean, the, you know, One guy that wants especially to, with what, what, what's happened in the stock market and with what's happened with cryptocurrency, these people are having massive gains and they're they're looking to offset that through some cost segregation and, and, and some passive losses that you're going to have yeah. on commercial real estate, right? You're, you're going to sell 100 of your Bitcoins this 
year? Is uh, that your whoa, plan? Whoa, 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 whoa. No, I forgot it. I forgot that I even. <laughs> but that's the that's the beauty of it, right? You know, I mean, that's not that's not meant to be, you know, something that you actively invest in, right? You know, you buy it at the right price and you let it roll, right? Absolutely. You know? So scalability. You know, I think that the one thing that we that that we got attracted to in multifamily, especially, right, was the scalability of the whole thing, and I think that that allows you to accelerate maybe how if, much money is coming in. Yeah, and that's and if that's you want it to scale, get, right? Yeah. The joke I have with Ben is we keep dumping it back into business because we want to continue to grow it, right? And yep. you can definitely do that, right? You build out a team, and then you start having a team that everybody's doing their piece, and you're not having to do it all, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what it's all about, and so it's um. I love that part of the business. So yeah, that's, absolutely. What, that's what made me move from residential to multifamily. I just felt like it, the, the scalability prospects are much better in multifamily. Yeah, because you look at it like this, right? To buy 100 homes, single-family homes, is going to take you a lot longer. So, therefore, to get to your goal of achieving financial freedom is probably going to take a little bit longer, right? So, possibly. It just depends on how much money you got to start off with. Right. So we've kind of broken it down. You know, Shannon, if you want to kind of put this up on the screen here, you know, the phases of financial freedom in real estate. Right. And, you know, everybody's going to have their own. I I encourage anybody that's got some tips or tricks or how they've done it. You know, some stories, case studies, whatever they might be. Drop those in the comments. You know, we want this to be interactive. You know, uh, just get started. Outline your why. You know, I think that it's important to, you know, why do you want to retire early? Why do you want to have financial freedom? Right. And if it's just to I don't know, go to Vegas and party or, you know, do something that doesn't have a whole lot of substance, then I think you're doing it for the wrong reasons, right? So whatever you do in life, you need to have a why and it needs to be more than just making a bunch of money and going out and partying and blowing it all, right? So define your real estate investment vehicle and get educated, right? Uh, Create a budget, pay off debt and cut down on your expenses, right? That's just a, you know, anybody's, anybody could use that advice, right? Set investment goals, you know, and allocate funds to invest. You know, you're ultimately going to have to put some money to work. This is not going to be, like he said, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not a no money down. I mean, there is creative ways to buy multifamily that I think, you know, especially smaller multifamily, mm-hmm. that maybe you can have a little down or maybe you have somebody bring the money for you. So I can't say, I'm not going to rule it out completely, but I'm just going to say that you're going to need a little bit of money to get this started, right? And the more money that you have, the quicker you're probably going to be able to achieve that financial freedom. So phase two, you're making some progress, right? You know, you start receiving that passive income. You stay committed to the budget, the goals, the investment strategy. You grow in your experience and your knowledge in real estate investing. And then you ultimately try to avoid some common investment mistakes, right? You know, I think, you know, there's, there's people that will, you know, ultimately retire too early or they dump all their money into just one deal when they should have diversified. There's certain things that will slow down your progress and you need, to, you need to be able to avoid those pitfalls, right? We've talked about that on other previous Money Mondays, so please check those out, you know. But keep, you're going to make progress, and like we do, right? Reinvest it, you know. The, the, the power of reinvesting is huge. You know, the, the more that you leave your money on the sidelines, you're, just, you're, chew, you're getting it chewed up by inflation at this point. So you need to be putting your money to work, right? Growth mode. Avoid lifestyle inflation, right? You know, um, you don't want, just because your income grew doesn't mean that the house that you're buying should grow too, yeah. right? And everybody gets guilty of that, right? At least a little bit. But if you can if you can fight that urge, I think that ultimately you'll... you'll Starts to compound later. It will, right? You know, if you, if you longer you hold out and you just say, okay, I'm not going to go buy that new sports car. Or I'm not going to buy that 10,000 square foot house, or I'm not going to buy that third or fourth or fifth or second home, whatever it might be. Um, and you reinvest those profits, once again, reinvest into new real estate investment opportunities, 
the better off you'll be, the quicker you'll, you'll meet your goal. And ultimately, this goes back to probably younger investors. The earlier on you, you learn this, the quicker on you learn this, the faster. I mean, you'll be, you'll be retired by age 30 or 35, maybe 40. Right. Whereas it's going to take the guy that started when they're 40 to get to maybe, you know, a little bit later in life. Right. It's just because you're starting off earlier, the power of compounding interest. Right. It's important. Finally, you've reached financial freedom. You know, your wealth is now covering your living expenses. Right. And then some. I always tell people, don't just cover if you need five thousand dollars. You know, because wifey's working or your husband's working too. What, what happens if they're out of work, right? I always have a buffer, right? If you need 5000 a month because you think that that's going to work, then I would say you need $10,000 a month, right? Because ultimately, if you step away from that job too, a lot of us are going to have health insurance or some kind of benefits too. That's typically 33%. So don't just look at what your salaried amount is, right? You got to have that burden on top. And then on top of that, I would put a little bit more just to have a little bit of extra cushion, because you just never know. COVID could hit and you could go a whole year without any income, right? What are you going to do then? So, you know, ultimately, you know, that should be defined in your plan way up front. And then you're, you're striving towards that, eventually get to that point. And then maybe you say, hey, I can balance the two, yeah. you know, and that's fine. And we know people that do. They do it very, very effectively. No, it's about having you a plan. Right? Like I said, and all then, each, each phase is a different plan, yeah. different mindset, different everything. So definitely keep that in mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, so before we keep going, boom. Money Mondays is every Monday, 3.30 Central. If you have comments, questions, please feel free to chime in. We're happy to kind of go through those. Um, so well, with so that some said, Q&A. There was definitely some comments. So really quickly, first one from Trevor, our buddy Trevor, who I think we're going to see in Miami, says, Ben Suttles is to make enough money that not having hair does not bother you. <laughs> I think that will continue to bother him forever. No, and if it doesn't, no. I will make sure it continues to bother him. I'm, I'm just um, investing in real estate to come up with a cure for baldness, yes. okay? And I haven't found it yet. i got to keep making some more money. Absolutely. Let's see. So Jason Contreras says, definitely not a uh, get-quick get rich quick scheme. That's no, the Jeff Latreet. No, Chris not. Collins says, yo, yo, Chris. And he What's up, also, buddy? Yeah, long time to see Chris. And Chris had a few comments. So he said, financial freedom for me is to spend more time with my wife and son. That's real what estate, it's all Because my job is freelance equals work. For pay, no long-term benefits for me. Real estate provides that long-term cash flow and long-term benefit. Sounds like a man with a plan. No, 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 Chris. And you've always been, uh, you know, a guy with a plan. And I think you need to stick to it. I think a lot of people could learn from that, right? You know, and that goes back to you hit your why right at the beginning of that statement, which is I want to spend more time with my family. Yeah. And that's that's totally admirable. And I think a lot of people need to start from that that footing or that that mindset, and then develop a plan for yeah, that. Yeah, and, and right? uh, I guess so. You know, and, and Chris is a good example. He's got his day job, so to speak. Yep. Right? And he's kind of building it on the side. He's not just jumping all in, burn the bridges. I simply people try that, and I don't think that's a good way to go about it, right? Make a concerted plan to transition over, right? Yep. I'm looking to build up this. Once this gets to X amount, then I can let go of this, right? But don't yep. just say, hey, I'm going all in. I'll figure it out as I go. That's risky. Well, we've, so had, we've had some people that have People the, try that, and it's not necessarily burn, a good idea. They burn the ships, and, and, and I think some people work like that, where they're, they're backs against the wall, and so therefore they feel like they're going to be more motivated. And um, I'd say that that's risky, especially if you have a family. Yeah. Um, but there might be some, you know, single folks. what's life without risk, right? So. There might be some single folks that are maybe they're young enough and they feel like, hey, I can go and do this. Yeah. You know, then they can dedicate 100% of the mind space. So Let's it's see. everybody's situation is different, folks, right? Yeah. And Chris also said, I've been downsizing my life to invest more. Like Ben Suttles says, 
don't have lifestyle inflation. Yeah, and it's hard to not, right? I it's see totally so many hard. people I do, do it the same and, thing, guys. I mean, it's it's, it's yeah. Ben used to buy the Aquafinas. Now he's got to buy the higher end waters, man. I just well, don't get it. No. I still, you know, I still, you know, I've got some vices, right? No, you I know. like to say, I, you know, for those that you, know this, me, this, I'm this a big Starbucks guy, but I like to say that's my that's a cheap vice. I like that vice because guess yeah. what? Even if I get it every single day, it's really not that much money, right? Because I buy the cheap stuff. I'm not buying the six dollar drinks. Buying those two dollar coffees, right? Two dollars and sixty five cents now. That's Inflation, true. for the record, I used to pay two hundred one oh, ten years ago back ooh. in Seattle, and now it's two sixty five. So definitely uh, significantly more. It's gone up, even in coffee. But uh, no, and everybody does it, right? And for to to kind of simplify that, because that's a that's kind of a new statement for a lot of folks is, if you're making more money, then you feel like you should be spending yeah. more money too, right? So don't 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 get caught up in that trap. Everybody yeah, don't, should. Don't, everybody tries to yeah, do it. Yeah, and, and maybe pick up pick up something that you know enjoy life. Yeah. Life's about enjoying it, but don't like try to avoid the really bad vices that'll just completely kill you, revenue yes. wise, right? Yes. Whether it's fancy cars, depreciating or, assets you know, are never great. But maybe you know maybe hey now I can take that you know that trip to Hawaii and pay first class, right? Yeah. You know, I know a guy that did that, you know, I mean, and at the end of the day, that was an experience. And so, but, you know, going and buying a half a million dollar house when you really could get away with buying a $300,000 house, maybe you should yeah. stick to the 300,000 and put that 200,000 to work yeah. in another investment. So that's right? a good segue. Some more questions that we have. Some Chris also said, if someone is still in wealth growth mode, do you typically suggest higher Risks, higher value, You're add young. renovation deals that cash flow less but have a larger overall return in a shorter amount of time You're versus stable, lower amount return cash flow. Or how does that conversation typically go with investors? I always say that the younger folks are going to go with the high risk, high return, right? You know, think development, think redevelopment, whereas our, our older investors that are working off of a fixed income or off the retirement account might want to go with something that's a little bit more stable and consistent, and yeah. so, but ultimately we've seen that flip no, too. And that, that's just yeah, a general so it's not 100% rule. Yeah. And to me, it's actually, it's more about risk adjusted returns, yeah, right? That's, true. that's the thing that I think people really fixate on the returns, but there's risk adjusted. Am I buying a great deal in a great location and it's not going to take much effort to screw it up, yep. so to speak, right? For that, for that operator. Or is it a deal in the hood and there's a, yeah, I can make 20 X, but it's also 80% more likely to fail, right? It's understanding risk adjusted and then you know, to you, Chris, if you're halfway down your, your growth mode, so to speak, I mean, I'd say you got to just vary it up, right? Don't go just one strategy, right? Again, the markets yeah. are constantly changing. And to me, you know, I'm in, that, I'm in that mode of just diversification, right? Having different options, different pools. And, you know, one will hit and maybe one will be not as great. And maybe one will be a dud, who knows, right? But just getting variety, I think, is the way to kind of continue to maintain that forward growth. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, no, I mean, let's see. Risk adjusted is a good. It's a good term to have and keep yeah. it in the back of your pocket. So let's see. So our buddy Rasul, how's it going? He says, if What's I'm consistently money? investing capital as the LP into deals, theoretically there will come a point where the refinances and sale of assets allow me to perpetually invest without adding additional capital. Right. Yes. What's a reasonable time frame for that to take hold? Five years, ten years, fifteen, thirty. Three. Three. Yeah. How'd you come up with that number? Because that's typically what the turnaround time on a lot of these deals are. No, but that's not his question. His question is, as an LP, as an active LP investor, how long do I need to be investing to where essentially I'm I'm always breaking positive and continuing to be able to reinvest? Okay, now I'm. I'm to where is okay. how long until he has financial freedom? That's kind of maybe to simplify. And I, I'd say that, so oh, yes. Okay. I thought you're, I was going to say like, you're, you're, when you start seeing like real money yeah, coming so, back, so I was going to say three I, years. I would say, to answer your question, Russell, it always starts with how much you start with. 
Yeah, right? that's true. That's so, true. I mean, if you have $20 million and your expenses are $500,000, guess what? On $20 million, can you generate $500,000 of revenue? I would um, hope so. That's about 20%-ish. You know, that's, that's a 20 bucks? Uh, I, I did $5 million. My bad. <laughs> definitely, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, uh, I, missed, I was off by a digit. Um, did you go to UT? Oh, uh, no. This guy. I'm the smart one here, so if that if I screw that up, imagine oh, this man, guy. We are, oh, we're screwed. Uh, we're screwed. No, but you know, it really uh, to me that, that answer is hard to answer because it always starts with what your lifestyle is That's and true. what how much you have to start with. And honestly, you brought up a point, which is theoretically you said theoretically there will come a point, and there's absolutely a point, and you can calculate that point today, right? Start with how much do I need to live off of? How much do I have to start? Right. Assume, you know, and there's there's a bunch of things around there. I don't know if you've heard of FIRE, right? Financial independence. It's a whole kind of following. There's a safe withdrawal rate. So for those that don't know, there's this concept of safe withdrawal rate, meaning if I have X amount of money in my bank account and I withdraw Y amount each year, right? At what point does that never really, like I have enough to live the rest of my life? Yes. It's called the safe withdrawal rate. That number is usually 5%, right? So you can work back from it. If you want to have $200,000 that you pull out each year to live, Right. Well, you need to have two hundred thousand divided by five percent, which I can't do that math right now. I had ten million dollars, maybe. Um, no, maybe uh, whatever that is. Uh, I don't know what's going on. You can do that. Here. You know, it's a thing you can calculate. So similar with real estate, right? You can calculate out how much it brings in, and you can no, figure out. No, you can what back you into do. it. You absolutely can. And there's a, there's a ton of methodology around it. I think he hits on a, there's there's a lot of information out there. But you need to know what your what your overhead and how much money you're going to start off with, yeah, right? But, but my to my, I was answering that question. I, I was interpreting it differently, yeah. right? Where I was like, how much, you know, when, when's the when's the spot in time if I invested a ton in year one? When am I going to start seeing you know those those Real two momentum. X's? Yeah, that momentum. It's typically three years, right? Yeah. You know, because people start exiting, start refinancing, and then you can redeploy that money, and then you really start getting momentum from that point. So. And then Rasul also said, yeah, financial freedom, assuming maybe 50000 a year to shoot for 200000 a year in returns. All right. So if you're saying if you put $50,000 a year, and that's what you start with, you invest that each year, when will you start to generate 200000 return? Well, you can kind of back of the napkin this, right? So if you put 50000 a year, right? Okay. And let's just say it's a safe deal. It's only paying out, let's just say, 8% return. Yeah. Right. Uh, what's 8% of $50,000? Uh, $4,000 yeah, a year? Yeah, 4000 So that's $4,000 a year. Right, so now you, you want to get to 200,000 a year in revenue, right? So 200 divided by four is 50. You need to make 50 of those investments, right? So now if you're only doing one a year, right, because you're keeping the rest in your pocket, you know, you're actually spending that four, it's gonna take you 50 years. But you're, you take that four, and the next year you had yeah. eight, and it starts to compound, right, and it'll quickly accelerate. So back of the napkin, 15 years? I don't know. I need to pull up a spreadsheet to calculate. There's actually, you can actually calculate this out, right? No, you absolutely can. And, no, and no, no, um, no. there's a book that I actually, that was really insightful, really opened my eyes when I first got in real estate called The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Oh, you love it. You love I it. highly recommend this book because it goes through a really good example, kind of like what Rasul's talking about, which is, in their example, it's a couple that makes, you know, let's say hypothetically, they make $60,000 a year, mm-hmm. right? They start off with $20,000 savings. At what point in time can they retire as millionaires, assuming all they did is they bought a house each time they had the opportunity yep. to buy a house, right? They had enough cash to buy it and that has cash flow at X amount yep. and they bought it 80% of market, right? There's, you know, it's a very pretty conservative model and you can quickly see that actually it doesn't really take that long to build up enough cash flow. So highly recommend uh, giving that book a read. It really goes through that. Yeah, check that book out. It's actually a good book, yeah. you know, so it, it, might, it might answer a little bit more of your questions, man. Let's see. So Chris also says, Rasul, also consider cash flow during the hold versus overall return once the deal goes full cycle. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at, Chris, right? If he's getting that 4000 a year, well, that money could also be reinvested. Yes, absolutely. And then he said you can live off the cash flow, but if you're looking at overall growth, then you can look at overall return. Yeah, so Chris, I think maybe to simplify what Chris is saying is don't look at how much do I need to have in the market to generate 200000 right now. It's more about I can keep reinvesting back in, right? So at some point, I can accelerate that and then start to have 200000 out a year. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. Wow, we got a little bit more action on that one than I was expecting. Yeah, and let's see, one more one more comment. So yeah, you know, Monday Mondays are this every Monday, 3.30 Central. If people have comments, questions, ideas, feel free to chime in. We'll talk about anything and everything. Um, we usually spend the last 10 minutes in Q&A, which we're in right now. We're about to finish yeah. up. So if you have anything, please go ahead and ask it quickly. Um, one more question came in. Jason Contreras says, what's the name of the book again? It's called The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. What was Written it? by Peter Keller. Peter Keller, yeah. The guy that started Keller, Keller Williams. Williams. Yeah, no, he's actually a good author. He's got a couple good books. Yeah, I'm no. not I'm not a big believer in the one thing, but uh, that's a different That's a different thing. That's a popular it's still book. very popular yeah. book, you know. All but, right, I mean, so. he's got to wait one more. Oop. Rasul also had one other question. Primary residence on a VA loan, 100% financing, appreciated about 100000 I feel like I can get that cash out and put it to work for me at a fairly low interest rate. Absolutely, right? Re, you know, regardless of how, what kind of loan, if you have real equity sitting in your house and you could pull out, like you said, 100% of the money you put into that deal, guess what? Your loan is cheap, especially if it's a VA loan, right? That interest rate, even if it's not a VA and this loan. Is where, this is where I tell <laughs> people understand the deals, now. the risk adjusted, right? So, Russell, you could look at it as, and this kind of goes to the question that Chris asked earlier. You could look at it as, okay, you know, do I go in lower risk? High, lower return deals or higher risk, higher return. You can say, okay, this bucket of money is my house. It's my house saving. Yeah. I can't play this really risky because if I screw up, now I've lost all my equity, whatever. Guess what? Go put that in the safest deal, the best deal in the best area. That's generate. Let's say it generates only a 5% cash cash on cash, which is really low. Like we don't even look at deals at 5%. But let's say it's the safest deal, 5% cash on yep. cash. 5% is still significantly more than probably the 3% or 2% that you're paying on your VA loan. I don't even know what the VA loan rates are. Like it's They're in that one to three half. range. Yeah. Regardless, that's still that's still two three percent less than what that what 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 your loan is. So now you're pocketing. So let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars of equity. Like you, I think that's what you said in your example. No, you said hundred. Yeah, you did say about hundred thousand dollars. Guess what? That's three thousand dollars extra you're giving each year on a very safe investment. Let alone that that investment will pay down the loan. That investment yep. will give you losses. That investment will hopefully appreciate and make it pop on the exit too, yep. right? And what's beautiful about, for those that don't know, a refi is always more powerful than a sell because you're getting that money cash uh, tax-free anyways. So that $100,000, you're not going to pay tax on it on the refi. You actually get that money out, yep. and now that money you can keep investing as long as you don't sell the asset, you don't pay taxes. Because so. it's a loan, folks. Yeah. It's not proceeds from a sale, all right? Yeah. All right, so I know we got to wrap up. Yeah, let's call it So we get, let's talk about MFIN. Our conference, Miami, July 24th, folks. We're running out of tickets. Is yeah. that some Got slimy a lot sales of interest, pitch? So. so, Chris, I hope to see you there and everybody you know, else that was commenting. Check out coupon code DISRUPT. Get your $100 off. We're getting some more great speakers lined up, some more great panels lined up. There's a ton of demand for this stuff. Yeah. You know, I think everybody wants to go to Miami in July. So, why not? Because it's an awesome place to go. And you're going to meet some awesome people and learn a few things about multifamily and investing in general. So check that out, mfinvestornetwork.com. Coupon code DISRUPT, get your $100 off. What are we talking about next week? We are talking about should you invest in crypto or real estate in oh, 2021? This is actually a big, this is a big topic, you know. I mean, I think, you know, crypto versus anything, you know. But I think we'll probably talk about the disadvantages of crypto 
and the disadvantages of real estate and, and vice versa, advantages and advantages, right? You know, I think that's important because people need to realize that there's some real risk there. So anyway, going to be a fun topic next week. Check it out. Should you invest in crypto or real estate on Money Mondays, 3.30 Central State. We hope you enjoyed today's episode on Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. We have some really great episodes coming up, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast. For those interested in passively investing in cash-flowing multifamily properties, visit disruptequity.com invest. Fill out your information there, and you will get notified when we release our next multifamily passive investment offering.